Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. Watching Cryptocurrents Aftershock. This is where we bring you the latest and greatest news from the wild world of Web3. We do this every single week on Wednesdays. Um, and as always, I'm joined by the host of our interview programming, Richard Carthon. Richard, how are we doing? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, it is uh, being back to some bearish sentiment out there. Um, even with all of the hype of the Super Bowl from last week and other like pretty, I think, substantial news that's dropped in the last week, the uh, market isn't necessarily reacting in the same way. Now, that could have to do with some extracurriculars happening out in the actual world news. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, everything going on with Russia. Um, but also could have to do with uh, several other uh, things as well. But we're going to unpack a lot of that today. But overall, I'm okay. How are you doing? I mean, after all of the stuff that we've seen happen in crypto across the last week, I'm actually just starting to question a little bit whether or not we're GMI. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with uh, crypto terminology, that is whether or not we're going to make it. Um, but again, we're here to give you not just the bullish news, not just the good about crypto. We're here to tell you both sides of the story. So um, like we do, we're going to bring you all the way through the news during this show and then take you through an Aftershock segment. And that Aftershock is where we break down one of the bigger narratives of the last week so that you can understand why it's important, why we need to be applying it, and essentially how it's going to affect the future of crypto. So before we jump into it, I do want to give a quick ask. And that is that if you're joining us over on YouTube for the debut of this specific Aftershock episode, that you join us in the comments, hit the like, and also be sure that you are subscribed. We drop these episodes Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for brand new content here on Cryptocurrent. And then also, we do drop these on our podcast as well. So if you have an interest in listening to this as you're on your way into work and you don't want to get distracted by how pretty Richard is, make sure that you are also following on the podcast platform of your choosing. But let's go ahead and jump right in to this week's content. The big story that we're following right now has to do with OpenSea and this massive phishing scam that was basically taking the crypto world by storm over the weekend. But in order to get into all that, we need to tell you whether or not the news of the week is a buy, a sell, or a hodl. And we do that with a lightning round through buy, sell, or hodl. Buy, sell, or hodl. So in the lightning round, we cover a lot of stories really fast. Who'd have thought? 
But this week on the lightning round, we're covering a couple things that we thought were very interesting across the last week. And the first of which touches on a story that we had from the week prior, where we had found out about the Bitfinex hackers who stole, who stole what is currently worth about $4.5 billion in Bitcoin. Um, those hackers have decided that they were going to sell the rights to their story to Netflix. So if you're following the current Netflix docuseries slash fiction series, Inventing Anna, think that, but a lot more money and a lot more crypto-based. Um, Rich, why don't you tell us about Vitalik? <laughs> so Vitalik was at uh, ETH Denver this past week. And um, let's just say he's bearish. And I guess the best physical representation of him showing how bearish that he is, uh, for those who are listening, highly recommend you check out uh, watching this on YouTube so you can see this amazing picture. He actually came out on stage wearing a bear outfit. So if you want to know how uh, Vitalik is feeling, he is fearing Feeling quite bearish about the market right now. I like Vitalik, but man, that dude is one weird guy for just like <laughs> pulling that out at like one of the biggest ETH conferences of um, you know the beginning of this year. But there's another interesting chain that is on our radar this week, and that is Binance. Um, so if you are unfamiliar but about Binance, Binance is of course an exchange, arguably the world's largest exchange for crypto, and up until recently, they had been operating on two different chains. You had Binance Chain and you had Binance Smart Chain. Well, because they des- they finally decided that for branding purposes and common sense purposes, they're going to be merging those two chains into one chain that follows underneath their actual token, BNB. So they will now officially be rolling out BNB Chain. Why don't you take the next one, Rich? Next up, Twitter is adding support for ETH wallets, which means that you officially can start tipping people in ETH. So that's right. If you were uh, enjoying someone's content or if you're in Twitter spaces, what have you, and you're like, wow, they really gave me some great knowledge. I'd really like to give them $5, $10. Instead of 5 or $10, you can now send them that much worth in Ethereum. Pretty big news there. Let's rip through some regulatory news because there's a couple really interesting stories that have come up in the past week. The first of which is that California officially has legislation up in its state um, Congress to essentially determine whether or not they want to make Bitcoin legal tender in the state of California. That's pretty interesting. But what I thought was even more interesting is something that came out yesterday. That's that Wyoming is going to be pursuing a USD pegged stablecoin for their state. So we may end up seeing maybe YUSD uh, coming soon. So that'll be very interesting to see. But we also have a really big announcement, and that's that Federal Reserve officials are officially going to be banned from owning cryptocurrencies and stocks after public outcry. This is such a huge deal because the government typically takes advantage of insider knowledge like this all the time. So I'm very refreshed by this. I wanted to rush ahead to this one because I'm curious if you had a take on this one, Rich. It's not going to hold up. There's no way. Why would a federal, why would someone agree to become a federal official if they also can't own crypto or stocks? You're basically saying that uh, I just don't think this is going to hold up. I think in theory and on its merit, this is a great thing. Will it hold up? I don't think it has a chance. Yeah, I think you're probably going to have more people within the governments having the final word on that one. But that's just my take. The next story comes out, actually, I believe it came out middle of last week. And that was that the Marshall Islands, which is a small island nation, has approved through their government 
the um, official designation of DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, are officially legal entities in their nation. Then last but not least, amidst all of this Russia and Ukraine insanity, um, on the brink of war, Ukraine has decided that they are officially going to legalize Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Now, this actually does come off the news of like September of last year. They decided they were going to put this through and the bill didn't pass. So they actually just put this through on new legislation and passed it this time around. So if you heard about this back in September of last year, just know it's actually official now. That's what matters. But let's jump into the NFT update. Real quick, the only thing I want to add to that, why I think it's a timely thing, uh, when you look at a lot of, unfortunately, diasporas of other people and they're having to leave and not necessarily having the liquidity that they need, they have found uh, a safe haven in the world of crypto. So I think it's actually pretty timely that they're saying that, okay, now crypto's fair game and so is Bitcoin. And I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a lot of Ukrainians convert their cash into crypto as they potentially flee the country. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. I think that that's more more likely than not something that is properly timed. Um, so we're going to have to see how that all unfolds going forward. But I like that we've started to see more legislation come out and regulatory favor from a lot of the Eastern Bloc countries and also across Latin America. But in non-fungible news, this is an interesting story that I want you to talk about because I think that I get a little bit too opinionated about JP Morgan. <laughs> Maybe a little. So JP Morgan gets into the metaverse with an Onyx Lounge in Decentraland. Now, what's interesting about this is that for a long time, um, the CEO was swearing off all things crypto and wanted absolutely nothing to do with crypto. But what's the funniest thing about this Onyx Lounge is that um, it's one of Steve's favorite people, um, CEO Jamie, actually will have a picture of himself um, within the Onyx Lounge. Not just in the Onyx Lounge. In the Onyx Lounge, they have a like a faux fireplace, and it's literally a portrait of Jamie Dimon above the mantle of the fireplace. When I heard about this, I'm sitting there like just scratching my head because this is the same guy who said like, if you're investing in cryptocurrencies and you work for J.P. Morgan, I will I will terminate you in the yeah. last two years. So, I think it's ridiculous. But then again, the fact that you've got a major banking institution jumping into the metaverse. I think it's a big step forward for the industry. Um, our next story comes in the form of a house. And that house, in fact, was the first NFT auction of a house in the US. And it officially sold for 210 Ethereum last week. I think it's a big piece of news um, when it comes to merging physical and digital goods. And I think that this is the first case of its kind outside of automobiles um, where you've got a high value physical asset property that is being tied to the blockchain. I thought we were probably 10 years off from this. So the fact that we're starting to see um, what you may call the primitive version of how this is going to be adopted in the future, it's exciting nonetheless. Extremely. So the next piece I want you to really unpack, Rich, because like this is a big deal. This is probably the biggest piece within non-fungible news across the last week outside of what we're going to talk about in the aftershock. So what do you think about this whole deal with the New York Stock Exchange filing with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for the NYSE name as it relates to crypto products? It's huge. Uh, they are trying to make sure that they can keep all of their trademarks succinct across the next form of internet. 
So Web 2.0, we're now moving into Web 3.0, which has to do with augmented reality, um, with uh, virtual reality and blockchain. And they're basically saying, okay, we want to get in front of this from the jump so we don't have people stealing our stuff, but we also can make our money on on top of this. And there are so, again, as, as bearish as things are for us right now, it's, it's news like this where I'm like, it, I'm, I am so bullish on like where the future of crypto is headed because like it's not a matter of it's, it's a matter of when. And like right now, I think it's just an absolute opportune time. If you're brand new in this space and haven't got in yet, to be a great time to start to evaluate getting in because we are about to, this, the next time that we see a true like bullish momentum come, I think it's going to come in massive waves. What do you take from this? I take from it the weirdest part of it. And that's that they, when this news broke, they came out and actually stated their intention for becoming an NFT marketplace. Wow. For the NYSE to come out and make that type of bullish statement about NFTs and how they believe it's gonna, it would be a significant contribution to the overall revenue that they generate on an annual basis is such a big deal and is such a vote of confidence in NFTs when frankly, a lot of the world still doesn't believe in it. They think it's all just flipping JPEGs and it's all just crap and you can right-click save. We know here that that's not the case and we're going to unpack that more in a later episode. But understanding that these massive institutions are starting to actually see the value and want to secure themselves property within the discussion and within the public discourse, that's a really big deal, man. So to me, that's the big takeaway here. That's huge. But but that's going to wrap up our lightning round coverage and our non-fungible news. If you have a story that you wanted to hear more about or that we didn't cover that you want us to cover on our next episode of the Aftershock next Wednesday, please let us know in the comments below or feel free to get at Richard or I on Twitter. We'll have our handles up at the end of the show for you one last time. But now we're going to jump into our big story of the week. And that, of course, is our Aftershock segment. The Aftershock. So the Aftershock is the biggest story of the prior week, where we let you know what that was, how it tied in, and basically how it's going to be affecting the future of crypto. We decided to call this one Exploit Fest 2022. That's because on Saturday of last week, we saw multiple NFT community members reporting all across crypto Twitter and across crypto discords that there was a massive breach and that many high value NFTs were officially removed from wallets and hacked. The troubling part about this and why it ended up becoming an exploit fest is because the origin at the time was totally unclear. People were wondering where it is that this individual hacker was managing to exploit wallets from. And they had a leading theory that it was either OpenSea, because OpenSea had just deployed a brand new smart contract to upgrade their system. This brand new decentralized NFT exchange and marketplace called X2Y2, which just started their rollout and was doing an airdrop at the time. Or it could have been an email phishing scam. Now, again, as we said, this targeted specifically OpenSea users with extremely high-value NFTs. So they were, tar- they were targeting any owners that owned Azuki's, 
Board Ape Yacht Clubs, Mutant Ape Yacht Clubs, Cool Cats, any of the top blue chip properties. Nobody was safe. But what ended up coming out is that the scammer himself or herself was in fact active with this hack since December. So they actually deployed a smart contract in December that was skimming for all of these users' information and also starting to, as things got clearer, pull in individual contract permissions based on a phishing email that was labeled from OpenSea. But OpenSea still has not yet identified the source of this phishing scam, but it is right now believed to all relate to one specific email. Now, Rich, this is not the first time this has happened, right? This, This is just the latest episode. But the amount of panic that came from all of these different like mediums of like where the attack vector could have been placed shows an ongoing problem, right? It it shows a huge problem. And real quick, I'm going to break this down for some people who might not know what phishing is. I'm going to give a quick uh, explanation. So a a phishing email is someone acting like uh, something else that's legitimate. So for example, one of the latest phishing emails I received was from um, Amazon, where they were telling me that my package, unfortunately, was not going to be delivered on time because of changing whatever. Please click this link to see um, where my package is now. Right. So the point of a phishing is to act like uh, a scammer acting like an official entity to try to get you to click on a link. And the link typically brings you somewhere where they can get access either to your laptop, your email, something. You're basically giving, you're inviting them in. So the quick way that you can typically catch a phishing email is to check at, look at the sender and then look at the actual email address of the sender. And typically a lot of them aren't that great. They're pretty clearly not. Amazon or whomever they're pretending to be. However, unfortunately, a lot of people who don't take a moment to stop and to reflect on what's going on quickly press the link and by doing that, expose themselves to uh, potential uh, scams and getting hacked and other things like that. Now, the reason why you're seeing a huge exploitation in this space I believe is because scammers are always going to follow the money. And right now, there's a lot of money in NFTs. Now, what's even more clear right now in this moment is that a lot of these people who are getting into the NFTs might not be as um, technologically sound as others. Because unfortunately, to use a thing like OpenSea, MetaMask, and some of these others, it's not an easier onboarding ramp for a lot of your everyday consumer of you know, getting into these types of projects. And so there's a little, there might be a little barrier to entry for some people as they get into this space. They're not as aware about security. And so people are manipulating this and scammers are doing what scammers do. They're following the money and taking advantage of it. Yep. And again, it's really easy for them to make that sweep happen because the second that they have access, all they have to do is execute a couple command lines. And then all of a sudden your NFTs and your ETH is all swept. It's just immediately pulled out. And that's because we have a problem still today in just the broader crypto space. Like if you operate an Ethereum wallet or you operate a Solana wallet, oftentimes you are signed when you are initiating a transaction, you're actually signing a smart contract. And when you make that signature, you are allowing for something to take place. And if you do not carefully read the smart contract, underneath it, you're actually giving them permission to do a lot of different things. And if you aren't reading it carefully, Sometimes that signature also allows 
the person you're um, transacting with to pull additional assets from your wallet at will. So it's a really scary thing, but it's a reality that we still have to face. So the question starts to become from that, what is it that we can do, right? How can we better protect ourselves? So we wanted to cover a couple different ways how you can protect your neck. Make sure that ultimately you're not the one that's getting scammed and also so you can help people in your life protect themselves from getting scammed. So the very first thing on our list is always to, to stay skeptical. I, I like to use the analogy of the floor is lava and essentially think to yourself, okay, you're hopping from one point to another and your goal is not to catch it on fire. Assume that any link that you are receiving is malicious. That can be a pain in the ass from like, you know, a thousand foot view. But realistically speaking, if you're always thinking that that's going to be the case, you can go into a browser and simply type it in. That's going to get into one of the attack vectors that you can remove by doing this a little bit later on. But truly, those masked links are everywhere. So don't click them. There was one story I wanted to cover, Rich, and that was something that my father sent me the other day um, from Coinbase. He received an email straight away from Coinbase that was super official looking. You would think that it was a legit thing if you were anybody that does not educate themselves in crypto. And if you authenticated your account and followed the support funnel that like they were trying to create, you were going to give them access to everything you had on Coinbase and they yep. would have then been able to completely rug pull you. So fortunately for my father, he doesn't have access to his Coinbase. Guess who runs his Coinbase? You. Correct. So for him, that's a protection mechanism. He puts somebody in charge of his shit. Not everybody has that. So you have to be educating yourself constantly on what attack vectors there are in your life and how you can be exploited. Real quick on that, just to add two yeah. more things, especially around Coinbase. So they actually just updated their terms and conditions to no longer be liable for when things like that happen. Because I think so many people got rug pulled from phishing attacks like that. That and they and Coinbase made it right and like tried to pay people back that they basically said, nope, we're not doing this anymore. Our new terms and conditions, you're agreeing that if this happens to you, sorry, you just lost your money. So again, protect yourself. Back. Yeah, I mean, and that goes back to the falsehood that because Coinbase is FDIC insured that you're safe. You need to always protect yourself. Yeah. All those crypto assets, they're not responsible for them. So it is what it is, but be protecting yourself. But let's talk about removing some of these attack vectors. Basically, I have a couple of different things that I always look for, but the three easiest things you can do are typing in any links that you receive so that you can ensure that what you're actually, what you're, the site that you're going to, because I have no idea how to talk today, the site you're going to is actually where you want to be going. If you're clicking on a link, there's a chance it's masked, meaning that what you see is not where you're being taken. So always type in receive links. Rich, you're a big proponent of the second one, which is getting a hardware wallet, right? Yes, absolutely. So by having a hardware wallet or Ledger Nano, even if somehow someone gets access to your stuff, if you have it on cold storage, unless they physically have that device, there's nothing they can do. And that is powerful, like extremely powerful. 
So if you really want the ultimate sign-up protection for yourself, having some nice cold storage, aka a hardware wallet, could be the saving grace that you need. Now, here's one of the tricky parts about a hardware wallet. You have to be constantly managing your connections. Because if you sign a smart contract, it could very well mean that you're still connected to the source. So I recommend using a site like revoke.cash or learning how to revoke revoke permissions using Etherscan. If you can do that, then you're safe. But if you sign a contract that would allow backdoor permission to the end user who owns that smart contract, doesn't matter if you have a hardware wallet, they can still sweep it. So you have to be aware of that because it is still a way around the protection. The last thing, and I've heard this from some really hardcore users, I myself do not do this. So understand that this is simply a high security precaution. Some of these users go to the lengths of having a dedicated device for all Web3 transactions. So this means they're running a ledger through something like a Chromebook that you can go to Best Buy and purchase for 250 bucks. And that is exclusively where they do all of their Web3 transactions. Anything else they do in Web2, they do on a completely separate device. So that means if you're going through an exchange and you're purchasing tokens, they're doing that on the Chromebook. If you're purchasing NFTs, they're doing that on the Chromebook. And they're using their ledger or their other hardware wallet as the mechanism for really ensuring their safety with those applications. Now, again, if you look at the graphic that we have up on screen, if you're joining us on YouTube, there are a lot of different attack vectors. We're not telling you that these three mechanisms are going to be able to protect you from all of these specific vectors. So there's obviously software vulnerabilities, compromised credentials. So if somebody gets a hold of your login information, weak passwords, malicious employees or malicious peers who you may be working with that you would not otherwise suspect has it out for you. Poor encryption. So one of the things that you can do to get around poor encryption is get yourself a VPN, a verified private network. That's invaluable. Ransomware, phishing, misconfigured devices, trust relationships, and of course, what every corporation fears today, DDoS attacks. So you have to be doing as much as you possibly can to protect yourself. If you're taking out attack vectors, it makes it a lot easier for you to have that peace of mind at the end of the day that you're not going to get exploited. So the last piece of the puzzle here, Rich, comes to Discord tips. Do you want to take us through this a little bit? So we have two big ones here. Um, So if you are in the world of Discord... Um, which is a nice uh, chatting application for a lot of people in the uh, gaming, NFT, and um, other crypto projects. Spend a lot of time here. Uh, one thing that you can do is changing your status to invisible. Um, and another thing that you can do is to turn off DMs. Because if you have DMs, unfortunately, you have a lot of people who do phishing attempts where they send you information and they say, hey, press this link to get more information on blah. And unfortunately, those are phishing attempts just directly to you. Um, and then even with having a status as invisible, it doesn't notify people that, hey, I'm alert, come talk to me. Um, so again, it, it it does limit you in the sense of not letting these uh, potential uh, online scammers and predators 
alert you and, and come after you, um, and as well as people who are actually in the community and trying to engage with you, et cetera. So it, it, it is kind of a, a give and take. But if safety and protecting yourself is the highest importance uh, at the moment, or if you're just kind of feeling sketched out by everything, two great things you can do on Discord, change your status to invisible, turn off your DMs. And that's because the biggest issues on Discord right now are that a lot of these bad actors can just deploy bots. And those bots can crawl through servers and determine who's online and who they can send a DM scam to and attempt to fish them. So by making yourself invisible, those bots can't see you. By turning off your DMs, you can limit the amount of phishing links that get sent to you. So always stay skeptical. Make sure that you're not clicking on those types of links that could be potentially masked. Remove all the attack vectors you can. And of course, protect yourself even on platforms like Discord. This is all really invaluable stuff that can ultimately help protect you at the end of the day. But that is ultimately going to wrap up the aftershock. We just want to make sure that you are more protected today than you were yesterday. But that's going to do it for our show today. We do have a couple of final announcements for you before we actually call it a day over here. And that is that we have some really brilliant interview content out this week. Richard, who did you interview for your Monday episode? So Monday, we had Bradley Stevenson with the Syscoin Foundation. Um, Syscoin is really, really cool. What they're doing is creating an awesome layer one protocol that takes the best of Bitcoin and Ethereum um, and, and wraps it and merges it into one. They've been working on this project since 2016. And I've been in head down grind mode, building out some great stuff. Has some huge announcements coming out pretty soon. Uh, it's a really cool interview. Highly recommend checking that one out. And then this upcoming Friday, we got uh, Joy uh, Pereira, who's a developer and founder of Inuasha. So they are an incubator and launch pad. Um, they have a ton of projects that they've incubated that have 100x, I think over four, which is pretty insane. And they also are working on quite a few different DAOs that are pretty awesome. One of them being a, a science DAO uh, where they are you know, helping to bring in money so they can help solve some of these larger um challenges to, to help cure some of the uh, biggest elements that are out there. So another great one to uh, check out. Awesome. And of course, as always, you can check out more of our editorial content over on crypto-current.co, or you can follow up here later on in the week, I believe on Thursdays, where we'll have our brand new Crypto Decrypted content with Chris K, who's going to bring you an educational piece of content to break down one of the elements of cryptocurrency it can help you become a little bit better educated. Of course, as always, we're here to help you connect to the wild world of Web3, and we love doing it. So please come back and join us next week for another edition of The Aftershock. It'll be out on Wednesday. But until then, stay cryptocurrent, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.